This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Longwoods International, one of the premier research firms in the travel and tourism space in the world. Longwoods produces groundbreaking research, thought-leading insights, and excellent counsel and service to DMOs in areas such as visitor research, advertising effectiveness, image research, and their brand new resident sentiment study. Learn more about this new breakthrough product and more at longwoods-intl.com. Dot com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is Mike Gamble, who handles C-level searches across all sectors for the leading executive search company in our world, Searchwide Global. Prior to launching the firm 20 years ago, he was Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Philadelphia CVB, and he held various leadership roles with Marriott International. He has served on the foundation boards of Destinations International, PCMA, MPI, and currently on the Boys and Girls Clubs of the Twin Cities. For those unfamiliar with SearchWide, it's a full-service executive search firm designed primarily for destination organizations, hotels and resorts, venue management, experiential marketing, trade show and exhibition, and visitor industry associations and sports and entertainment as well. They specialize in C-level and director-level executive searches for companies ranging in size from Fortune 500 companies to mid-size public and private companies and associations. Founded in 1999, SearchWide Global is headquartered in the Twin Cities, and operates worldwide. For more, you can find them at searchwideglobal.com. And Mike Gamble, welcome to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Good to be with you. It's been a long, fun road for the two of us, uh, each uh, <laughs> establishing uh, our uh, our position uh, within the DMO world with uh, a service that I think for, for both of us, we saw the opportunity to add our expertise mm-hmm. into the mix of the global expertise that's out there. And uh, it's been fun uh, bumping into you in, in airports, on airplanes <laughs> yeah. over the years. it's I oftentimes uh, bump into Mike when we're, you know, I don't know that you're going to be on the flight and you didn't know I was going to be on the flight, but there we are. So Yeah, the Midwesterners are connecting somewhere. Yes. Yeah, we aren't too far away. So anyway, you know, all of us, well, almost all of us, I think have an urge in our careers to move up. You know, and I always enjoy getting to hear you speak at industry conferences on how to better position oneself to actually do that. You know, what boards are looking for and what they really need, which can be two different things if you, as you've shared in, in many occasions. You know, it's funny, last month we talked with uh, Visit Pittsburgh's Craig Davis and Visit Casey's Jason Fulvey about their experiences moving up from the number two position to the big chair. And even though they had been mentored for years by accomplished CEOs to get them ready for that jump, the funny thing is they both said last month, that they were still unprepared for just how political the job is. Mm. So you've been placing DMO CEOs in some of the biggest destinations on the planet for two decades. Boards often tell you that they want a sales superstar or a marketing guru. And I heard you at Destinations International a couple of years ago say that these boards may say that, but they don't really mean it. Have we gotten to a place where sales and marketing chops aren't as important to success than being able to navigate political waters? Mm. Great question, Bill. 20 years ago, you know, when we started this and boy, when you were establishing your business, I would say that 80% of the CEO job in a DMO, as you know, as a, a past CEO of a DMO, was solely on sales and marketing. I mean, that's the, yeah. that was the job. Today, 
I would have to say that 80% of that job is now centered around politics, protecting the funding, board governance, and community relationships, Bill. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we think about this a lot. I listened to the, the Craig and Jason podcast and, and it was well done and, and they were right on, you know, they, when they, their comments about politics and how really unprepared sometimes first time CEOs are, I think is very, very accurate. You know, we find is often we'll go into a destination bill and we'll, before we start a search, we do the needs assessment and we listen and, and try to learn, boy, none of them are the same as you know. And the one thing that when we start to talk about characteristics of a CEO, the one thing that comes up now quickly is political acumen. And political acumen mm-hmm. uh, was not even on the list 15 or 20 years ago. I mean, not even close. And today it's something that's mentioned as a top five, like you have to have political acumen. And so I think that really kind of summarizes where, where we are, of course, then great consensus builders, you know, very diplomatic, but, but I think over the years, I think these jobs have certainly become more complex. And I think the skill set has broadened to an area that none of us would have expected. And I think many of these great leaders have adapted, but it's, it's very different. And politics is squarely in the middle of it. And it was interesting because uh, you know, during the advocacy summit here in Madison from Destinations International, there was the discussion that at one point we were, you know, when you and I got into the DMO side of this business, the customer was the hotels in our destinations. And then we became more sophisticated and figured out that, no, the customer is actually the client and the consumer, because if they're happy, the hotels will be happy. And now we're kind of evolving into this, the real customer is our residents. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. politics is one thing and being able to work with city councils, county boards, state legislatures, that's, that's one thing. Tell us a little bit about where's the community relations part? Where's the empathy with a residential point of view? Does that also come into play in a greater level or way than it maybe did just five, 10 years ago? Yeah. It's the other thing we hear a lot in the needs assessment bill, you know, stakeholders, those who are engaged in the tourism industry, get elected officials or hoteliers, restaurateurs, whatever, you know, when we're talking to them, often now we'll hear the residents really don't know what this organization does. Again, 20 years ago, who cared, right? (laughs) I mean, no one really even felt like that was on the radar, should be on the radar. It's like, what difference does it make? Well, today, boy, it does matter. And first, I think it matters from the perspective of the civic pride. As you know, you'll have great success in a destination if the citizens are really proud of the place in which they live and that they're engaged in, in all of the activities and all the tours and products in the place in which they live. And again, I've heard you talk on this, Bill, where it's you build it for the, for the citizens and the locals and know that it will also be a huge advantage and benefit for the visitors. And I think that that's very true. But, but yeah, today we, we hear a lot more about you have to make sure that you are doing your inward marketing so that the obviously the community leaders understand, but more importantly, the neighborhoods and the citizens understand the value that you bring to the destination. And Jack Johnson, I think, really is doing a great job of of getting us all focused on that. But I, and I think he's right on target with it. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that that's where we are today. Yeah. You know, Search White has a guarantee, uh, which I think is, is amazing, that if one of your placements flames out in the first year, it doesn't pan out, you'll redo the search at no additional charge. What do you advise those individuals to do 
that you place in their first 100 days in their new position to make sure that doesn't happen for them and for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy, it's just so true. You know, that first impression is so critical. Gosh, the first week is important, but the first month certainly is in the first 90 days. Absolutely. Because it's where you, you form your opinion of that new leader uh, in the community. What we say to people is kind of what I, what I've told my kids while they were growing up, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, you know, listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> yeah. And, and we often will say that to our placements really at all levels, Bill, at all, at all of our sectors, but certainly in the DMO space, it, it should be an early listening tour where you're developing relationships and, and you really got to start to begin to develop meaningful relationships with the stakeholders. It's just not a hello, great to meet you. Look forward to working here. Let's really engage uh, with these with these local leaders to understand what makes them tick. And then I think is as important is to quickly find the community leaders, especially and the neighborhood leaders of influence who can be your organization's champions as you grow in your new role. And I think that when we've seen people do that, when we've seen new CEOs do that, it's typically leads right to success because then there's buy-in. So when you reach out to those community leaders and those influencers and say, I need your help, help me to meet the right people in the community. Tell me what's on your mind. You've got them. And then lastly, what I would say, and what we do say is then look for some quick wins. I mean, don't look to be the home run hitter right away because some will be offended by that because the destination's probably been successful for a lot of years prior to you getting there. But there always are opportunities for some quick wins. And so we say hit some singles and doubles so that people know you're here, you're developing relationships, you're a great listener, you've got a high likability factor. Oh, and you've identified a couple of of things that are low-hanging fruit that are hopefully producing some result. And then, you know, lastly, I do think there's more work for onboarding. And again, you and I have talked at length about this. You know, we, we try to do some of it, but there really is a role, I think, to have better onboarding of have a third party do the onboarding of the CEO so that they have somewhere to turn other than their new board um, Mm -hmm. to bounce ideas off of. So, yeah, you know, one of my absolute favorite first hundred days, and actually I think it was first 30 days was David Dubois when he uh, was established as the new CEO in Fort Worth and they didn't live there. So he spent the month house hunting but staying in each of his major hotels for a week. Mm-hmm. And so he was he got to meet the GM, got to tour the facility. So by the time he, you know, found a house, he had probably experienced his top 5 to 10 hotels that were going to be his convention hotels, his major partners on a very personal level. And I thought that was just brilliant that I mean it wasn't just I, I need a place to stay. I mean, I look back when I came to Madison, you know, my board chair was a local uh, real estate developer. And so he gave me a condo that he hadn't sold yet and said, you can just stay here for a couple months so you find your place. What a mistake in hindsight. Yeah. I should have been staying in the hotels. I, I thought that what David did was just brilliant. We actually ask all of our placements to do that, Bill. I agree with you. They don't all want to do it, though, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, it is brilliant. And and we've been trying to really push. It's hard. You know, it's not easy to switch hotels every week or two. But there's always a temporary housing component in the relocation model when we're moving somebody into a destination. And why not, you know, stay in a different property every couple of weeks? I, I agree with you. And, you know, the ones who do, it's just what you described. 
I mean, in, in addition, yeah. you develop these amazing relationships with the team of the hotel. I mean, the, not only the managers, but the frontline folks and, of course, the general manager. And you learn the product. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. And I think that there are some of us that come to destination marketing organizations that don't have a background in hotels. And I think that especially for those of us that come from marketing or media or other nonprofit associations, you know, I think there's that, that skepticism that comes from our hotel partners if we don't speak their language, understand implicitly, you know, what they do, what, you know, what their KPIs are. And, you know, I, I often advise people who are not from the hotel industry. I said, you know, I, I know you don't want to betray the fact that you don't understand mm -hmm. their world. Mm -hmm. Ask, yeah. ask a question, ask them, okay, so why is RevPAR so important? Help me with this. And they don't want to, they don't want to do it because, you know, it, it shows that they don't know anything. And in my experience, when you ask that kind of a question, then that individual at that hotel says, okay, That's right. I'm going to mentor you. And you've actually built a friend for life. Yeah. Well, and also let's not forget, it's it's pretty likely uh, that the GM of that hotel doesn't know as much about destination marketing as you probably do. Yeah, so then suddenly true. you have this great two-way uh, yeah. relationship where you're learning from one another. Yeah, I agree with you, Bill. But you yeah. have to you have to be pretty humble to do something like that. Yeah. And but yeah, it's good advice. Never be too scared to ask a question because I think it engenders a lot of uh, ultimate support. Yeah. Okay. All right. To question number three: For those that believe that they're ready to take that next big step in their career. What should they be doing not only to catch your eye at Searchwide, but to stand out among the crowd, their competitors? What have you seen some of your placements do uh, that really worked to catch your eye and blow away the competition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I really believe industry engagement's a, a very important bill, and it, and it can come in a lot of forms. This isn't just attending a convention or a trade show, going to IMX and working the floor going to, you know, powwow or, or whatever it might be. I think it's the opportunity to always show that you're, you're always learning, you're willing to learn. And then more importantly, you know, you're willing to share and engage. I think a lot of amazing things happen when you're engaged in the industry associations. I think people underestimate the power of that. Honestly, we watch that pretty closely. Most people know that about us. That's why we show up at everything. You know, we've got someone almost at, at every industry event, just mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of stuff there for our customers. We're also talking to candidates, but we do a lot of watching too. We have to watch to see how do people sell and market. That's an important one for us. The other thing is, I mean, humility is very important to us and being humble. And I, I just think that we can never have enough of that. And I think some of the best leaders really exhibit those traits, you know, in today's environment, you know, and I hate to even say it because it should go without saying, but honesty and integrity, you know, we can't forget how important those are yeah. as pillars of one's being, right? And it's just amazing to me when we veer from things like that. There is black and white uh, when it comes to right and wrong, in my opinion. So I just love it when people, again, are humble. They have that sense of humility, but they're always taking the high road and doing the right thing. This is the way everyone should conduct business. And then, and then the other thing is this piece about likability factor, you know, I, 
I think likability factor is pretty important in a lot of industries. I think in our industry, it's really important. We are an industry that is all about entertainment. And I, I hate to use the word fun, but it, of course it's fun. It's travel and hospitality. And so I just believe to be a great leader, you've got to have a high likability factor. Boy, if people don't like you, how are they going to follow you in an industry like this, right? So I, I do think that that does matter. And lastly, I would say this, just don't get complacent. Those who who don't show complacency and who do not believe their press clippings bill, those are the ones that will continue to be successful because they, they maintain that humility, right? And they're humble, but more importantly, they're not complacent mm-hmm. and they're not reading their own press. You and I have seen the story, read the stories and watched the situations where leaders have become complacent or have been a little arrogant. And usually that doesn't end well. That usually doesn't end well. And so for for the young people, you know, especially, um, that's what I talk about are, are those things, you know, is I think that starting with the industry engagement, but then all those characteristics that I think are so critical that go along with it. You know, and I think that industry engagement thing, there's a lot to that. In fact, you said you listened in on the, on the Jason and Craig podcast, and Jason said that he believed that one of the key things that separated him from the other candidates for Kansas City was that, you know, he'd been foundation chair. He'd been very involved in several of the committees at Destinations International and that, you know, a lot of the other candidates didn't have that. When he said that, I looked back to my own tenure when I was the CEO of Madison back in the 90s. I thought to myself when we were preparing for this call that I don't know if if Searchwide had it been around when I was looking to to make my next move, I don't know that you would have even known me because we were not involved in what is now Destinations International. I mean, we were members, but my budget at the time and the the criticism and focus on our organization uh, and the oversight was so tight that, okay, I may have been able to pull off a conference in Chicago, but I sure wasn't going to Nice. <laughs> that just wasn't gonna. That wasn't gonna happen for Madison at that moment in time. Yeah. And so I, I really wasn't engaged as much as I wanted to be. I wasn't. So how would anybody know that there's this punk yeah. in Madison, Wisconsin, who actually could have moved to you know a bigger bureau and a bigger bureau and a bigger bureau? If not engagement, how else do you find people? Another good question. You know, we we also spend a lot of time on websites and looking at marketing campaigns, Bill. And and we, um, while we maybe haven't met everyone, mm-hmm. uh, and we haven't, of course not. We've had a pretty good sized research team. We spend an awful lot of time, you know, researching not only just candidates and where they are and who they are, but what they're what are they doing, you know, and especially the leaders, the sales leaders, the marketing leaders, and the C level executives. Mm-hmm. And that tells a story too, right? And so, especially today, you know, years ago, what you just described, that's, that was very hard. Boy, there was no LinkedIn. Gosh, the inter- internet was not nearly as advanced as where we are today, right? And so, yeah, right. you know, then it was just good old, you got to seek people out and try to develop relationship and get to know them. But today it's different. We can learn a lot about someone with the way in which they position themselves on social media, both from a personal perspective and with their company. And, and themselves, and then also the way in which they position their company or their product. 
on social media and just overall marketing. And, the, and then lastly, the way that they communicate with their stakeholders. I mean, it's just really all right there. So when there is a brush fire, yeah. how do they handle that through an op-ed? Or do you, do you see them on kind of some back channels uh, just trying to, to settle folks down? It's, it's pretty interesting. Honest, it's, it's hard work, but today we're lucky. Because the other thing that and you mentioned, you, you weren't engaged because there wasn't much to be engaged in, Bill. There wasn't a great value proposition, especially with the ICVB, yeah. if we're being honest. Right. That's changed a oh, great deal absolutely. today. And so has MPI, PCMA, and ASAE, and IE, and all the alphabet soup. I think they've all gotten so good at delivering valuable content so people know there's an ROI. So just some, some thought. Yeah, that's interesting. So industry engagement, but also yeah. our digital footprint yeah. individually as, as yeah, destination you leaders. You bet. Really important. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, it's just the good old, you'll hear people's names over and over and over again. If there are others who are inspired by the work they're doing. Right. right. And that just happens. And, and it, it'll happen at the, at the regional level or the state level perhaps. And then eventually we'll make its way to the national level. And boy, there's a lot of that. So we, we try to keep our ear yeah. to the ground in that regard too. Well, you guys do a great job and uh, we love referring you when, when clients have to uh, make a change uh, at some position in their leadership. So it's time for the bonus round question. The creation story, if you will, is always interesting to me, how people got into this industry because there's not like a track in most universities hmm. or high schools to become destination marketing executives or, or marketers or salespeople. You know, how people got into this industry, how people came to start up companies that service our industry. You know, on an earlier edition of DMLU, Maya Surrency from Digital Edge said that margaritas had something to do with her startup. I understand for you it was wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But even before we get to that, so quick story. I was at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay and went to my dentist in Green Bay. And he said, what do you want to do? And I was there for a year. And I said, I love the hotel business. He goes, why don't you go to Stout? I said, what's that? Yeah, sounds and like a beer. Said, That's a Menominee. So in the dentist chair, I literally got out of the chair, called my parents, said, I think I'm transferring to Stout. I think it's in Menominee, Wisconsin. And and I did. And and I got my degree then in hotel Too restaurant funny. management. So Search by Global, we're, you know, we're proud to be 20 years old this year. And Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and when I talk about industry engagement, after Marriott for nine years, the way I found my way to Philadelphia CVB was I've met Tom Muldoon before, but I mm -hmm. saw him at an MPI holiday event in Chicago. And he said to me, hey, I, I need a new VP of sales. And, and that's a true story. And you know, a few weeks later, there we were. So here I'm in Philadelphia and we're hosting MPI mm -hmm. WEC. It almost seems like you can make this stuff up. So we're sitting at the leadership dinner in the top of, of one of the buildings in downtown Philly. And I'm, I'm sitting with Brian Stevens and Bob Moore. Bob was the chairman of the association. I was the chairman of the foundation of MPI. And of course we were hosting the yeah. event. So it was a pretty good time. And I, I was senior VP of the Philly CVB and Brian turned to me after a, a little bit of wine, maybe a <laughs> bottle or two. This is true story. He says, why don't you start an executive search firm? And, you know, he had just started Conference Direct, yeah. right? And I wasn't going to go there with him. We had been friends a long time already. And I looked at him and I said, now that's an idea that resonates with me. And he pointed to Bob Moore across the table, who was just joining Starwood as senior VP of sales. And he goes, I think he might have some search work for you. Yeah. And I, I got up, went over to Bob, who was also having a couple of glasses of wine with us. And, and he said, yeah, you know, I'd be interested in that. And Bill, three weeks later, 
you know, we had the brand identified. I resigned my position at the Philly CVB wow. and, you know, Searchwide was born. But here's the crazy thing. It's when I went home, my lovely wife, Beth, of 33 years, uh, who I'd be lost without. We have four kids. Our youngest was three months old at the time. So I had a three-month-old, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. And a pretty darn good job in Philadelphia yeah. with good benefits. And I said, honey, <laughs> honey, I got an idea. <laughs> Actually, Brian Stevens has an idea. And, and here it is. And she looked at me. And she said, you've thought about it. You think it's going to work. Let's go for it. We'll eat peanut butter and jelly. And you know, Bill, as I think about it, you think, gosh, I was crazy. Yeah, what were we, we all thinking? make decisions yeah. like that? What was I thinking? Yeah. But I'm thankful for it. And yeah, so that's the story. You know, it's very similar to our starter story. Great gig here in Madison. We had been successful in passing the referendum yeah. to build the convention center. It was coming out of the lake, not out of the ground, because we built it over the lake yeah. on 1,600 piles right, in lake right. bed. And I mean, things were good. I mean, really good. And I was at IACVB midwinter. I'm not sure what I was mm. drinking, but the conversation started in a bar. And there was a bunch of us in the bar, and we were talking about the consultants that we were using in the DMO space. And at that time, in 1995, all of our consultants, none of them had ever spent any time in the CEO's chair at a DMO. Oh. They were all hotel guys, which is yeah. fine. But right. you know, my moment of clarity was, as I stumbled back to the room, was, hey, wait a minute. There's a whole political side yeah, to right. what we do. You know, And I'd passed two or three tourism-related bills in Illinois before I came to Madison, and I'd gotten a couple done in Madison, plus the referendum. And I thought, okay, I got that side of this, plus I understand what DMOs need and do and want to be. And so I did the same thing. I, I put out a shingle with like three weeks or so. I put in my resignation three weeks later, I opened the doors of what was then Zeitgeist, now DMO Pros. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if the phone doesn't ring in like four or five months, I don't have any more money. I'm going to have to go work at Walmart as a greeter, you know? So, well, and you congratulate, you know what, Bill, we were disruptors before it was cool. All I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but both of our wives I looked at us like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, but luckily, it's turned out well for both of us. Congratulations yeah. on, on all you do, Mike. It's uh, tell you what, you're such a great friend and a resource to this industry. And, and we thank you for all you do. Well, Some of the placements that you've been and I tell this to our clients that say, we really don't want to, to do a search firm. You know, we, we think we can do this ourselves. And I go, yeah, but I said, the people you really want, probably. Mm -hmm are the people who aren't looking. And if they're not looking, they're not on your job board, yeah, they're not on right. our job board, they're not on DI's job board, and they'll never know that this amazing opportunity exists. And not to call out you know, one of your placements, but Brad Dean wasn't looking to leave Myrtle Beach. And only a search mm -hmm. firm like mm -hmm. Searchwide would know mm -hmm. that he had a past uh, you know, life connected to Puerto Rico. And had Puerto Rican wife. Yeah. You made that call and said, hey, Brad, there's this really interesting opportunity, which there's no way that that would have ever, never would have happened had you not made that call. And what he and his team have done with Discover Puerto Rico is nothing short of transformational and magical. And so that, that's really what you bring to the table. And so thank you so much for the connections you make. 
Thank you. For, hey, listen, right back at you. You do amazing work and you know what a fan I am. And so it's fun to always collaborate with you. So thank you for this opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And again, you can find out more about Searchwide and the gigs they are currently looking to fill. You can find them online at searchwideglobal.com. Again, Mike, thanks a bunch. Thank you, Bill. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It is DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Longwoods International, the producers of groundbreaking research, thought-leading insights, and excellent counsel and service to DMOs in areas like visitor research, advertising effectiveness, and the brand new resident sentiment study. Learn more about this new service and product at longwoods-intl.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. <laughs>